0: Welcome. Well, I wanted to start out by this article that I recently read out of the Dallas Morning News. And it said the CDC gave out these stats that suicide had risen 25% since 1999. And here's what it discovered in this article. It discovered that people had a weaker sense of belonging, that people wanted a deeper sense of significance, and they just weren't able to find that. They wanted to feel valued, and they wanted to feel like that they were a major contribution in the world. So here's what they discovered, that... People that weren't religious, that weren't a part of a church. Now, y'all listen up that haven't joined yet. That people that were like that, that ended up trying to go out into the world and find places where they could be socially connected, that there was nothing that could replicate being in a religious setting. All the other things just seemed to be places where they could go and say hi and connect with other people. But there was no real significant value because the people weren't connecting at a spiritual level. We need God. We need each other. We need church. We need the value of what that brings into our life. So we here at LifePoint, you know, if you've never been a part of a church home, you you might want to consider that because there's something very special that happens when you belong to a church. You You come under a special covering. They pray with you. People walk with you. And we're going to learn more about this this morning. But first of all, I want us to talk about because we're in our final series on choosing, choosing God is what I'm going to be talking about this morning. So we're, we're winding up this series and we're talking about what are some of the fears that people have around choosing God. What, te- what makes those people want to go be a part of something social but they don't really want to come into a religious setting. Well, I think I've broken this down pretty good. They, they don't want to think about having to serve a holy God. You know, you got to look up a little higher because it's not like people stuff, right? When you're serving God, you're serving someone that may be a little bit more different to approach than just your average everyday people. It's like, Ugh. You know, all those Christians, they're so faithful, they're religious, they go to church. I mean, it's it's kind of daunting to think about when you're on the outskirts of religious activities. So, you know what, the thing is, is that we also get this impression that I'm going to have to shore up and fix myself before I can really go be a part of a church family, because I'm not going to be acceptable. Maybe I have habits, maybe I have things in my life that I'm not really ready to give up. Maybe I'm going to look super weird to all my friends and I'm going to lose them. I'm going to start looking like a Bible-thumping freak. And then you start worrying about that. Maybe bad things are going to happen to me. Do you hear people's testimonies? Testimonies used to freak me out. Well, you know, I was in this terrible crash and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, that's terrible. But God brought me through and I'm like, They're always talking about the goodness of how God brought them through, but why did God let them go through it? Did you not ever question that? I did. I was kind of afraid of God. It's like, what's he going to put me through in order to get my attention? It was a scary, daunting thought. What about those people that say they follow God, but they're a horrible example? I see them doing wrong things. I see them lying or cheating or, or doing things they shouldn't be doing. But yet they really are sold on the Jesus message. Sometimes us Christians get a bad rap. People are watching us more than they're reading their Bibles. But what if I have behaviors that I don't want to deal with? What if I have all of these things? What if I'm going to have to be accountable for every little thing that I think, every word I say? Is God going to get into all my business like that? I mean, personally, I'm not a person that's going to move towards something unless I truly believe it. If I say I'm going to be a Christian and I say the prayer, then I'm going to feel the heaviness and the pressure of having to read the Bible, believe it, and do it. I was always like that. So I was afraid to come to God and say, I need you, because I was afraid of all these other things that were going to happen. Here's the deal. Everything that I was worried about, it was going to (laughs) come. It was the truth. (laughs) I was going to have to face me. I was going to have to forgive me of some pretty junky stuff. I was going to have to understand that God's love is greater for me than any bad thing I've done in life. It's hard to accept Christ from the heart level and sit there and say, God, I forgive me for every mistake. Because you know what? That makes you look at you in a whole different way. And most times people are looking to see themselves as very dignified. The freedom to choose is one of the most important and value attributes that God has given each one of us, yet sometimes we don't even use that freedom to choice of choice. We typically will think, "Eh, I'll get to God someday when I really need Him," and we just hold out and we wait. You know what? To not choose is to choose. To not choose is to choose. Putting God first means eliminating every distraction in the world. You know, anything can become God for us, to be honest. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There is this refinement process that God starts working on after you choose him. And you know, this refinement process takes a while. I was doing a prison event, and all the women were, it was for women. I do men most of the time, but this one was for women. And all the women began to file in. <clears throat> and this one lady sat down, and you could tell she had attitude. When she walked in, she's kind of like this, like, mm-hmm, don't you even, mm-mm. And you're just like, oh, boy, I could feel it coming. There I am at the front, and it's like, all right, it's on. You know, everybody kind of stands back from her, and when she gets over to her chair, she kicks her chair over, and her chair goes way away from everybody else. Then she sits down like this, (laughs) what you got to say to me? I thought, oh, boy, she's going to give me a hard time. So about halfway through my talk, you know, she says, hey, lady, I got a question. I got everything wrong with me. I drink too much, I smoke too much, I do drugs too much, I hang out with the wrong men too much. She said, and I eat too much. What you going to say to me? I said, well, it's kind of like this. You take it back down to a decision and you simply make the choice. And when you choose God, God owns you. And God will take the shakedown on you. And he will deal with you one thing at a time. Because God is not a God that will overwhelm you. She said, you know what, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's pretty good. That, that's pretty, that, that gives me something to kind of live on. I said, yeah, because you know what? We spend most of our life being self-centered, thinking more about what we want and what we need. If we listen to the world, honey, we will be so self-focused. We won't have time for anything else or God either. You know, the world will have you focus on how you feel. Take this and you'll feel better. Do that and you'll feel better. Go on this diet. Lose weight and get your life back you mean I got no life right now just because I'm carrying baby weight and my kids are 20s and 30s this is still my baby weight y'all y'all don't know me (laughs) you know what I'm saying they try to sell you a bill of goods that's going to make you feel like if you will just simply do this you will have it going on well stay younger do this do that Get you laser hair removal. Get get hair regrowth. Get hair extensions. What? It's daunting all of these things. This is what you need, the world will tell you. Work out more. Focus on yourself. You need, you need, you need. And you know what the Word says? God says, give everything you have away. Don't worry about your life. Don't even worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Just focus on me and I'll take care of you. The Bible goes as far as to say in a scripture, lose your life to find it. It will do the exact opposite of what the world will tell you. It will go against the grain of what most people think. It's a hard shift. It's a hard shift starting at that bottom point, after the decision. Sometimes you're going to be shunned by family, estranged by children. You'll lose friends, and you'll be uninvited to the Super Bowl party. Because you won't be doing things that other people will do. (laughs) To the point that you can even feel like that you've made the bad decision. Remember that Jesus went through tremendous rejection. This is what commitment does. This is what commitment does. Your spiritual life is a process. Choosing God means establishing habits for living godly, walking in integrity. Psalms 103, and I love this because when I first came to Christ, I felt like that woman in the prison that day. It's like, God, I've got so many issues that I know don't line up. My thinking's not even right. I don't think like these Christian people that are always talking about the holiness of God and how good God is. I was like, I hadn't even thought about how good God is. I'm just trying to survive here. I got so many problems, I'm so overwhelmed. You know, that's what we think. But God will teach us to walk in integrity. Psalms 103 says this, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Do you understand when we say the prayer... The instant, it's instant, instant removal of your sin. Does that mean that you're going to be walking it out at that very moment? No, it's a process. I have done prison and outreach ministry for enough years to know that when I can get a hold of a prostitute and she changes her heart and she said, I want to be saved and delivered, is she coming to church with the miniskirt on on Sunday? Yes, she is. She's just not quite processed through yet. We cannot expect the same thing from every person, depending on where their weaknesses are. is what they are at. That's where they're at, and that's what they're going to go through. Everybody's walk is different, yet we still sit back and we judge people. And then we make people feel bad for who they are, and their process is just simply different than ours. We have to learn to keep prayer number one. Keeping Jesus in the rightful place, it helps build a strong relationship. Let me tell you something. Second, let me read this. Second Chronicles 6.21 says, Hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear them, God, forgive them. Let me tell you, I, when I was first learning to pray, because, you know, prayer, in, to be honest, in my B.C. times before Christ, prayer always seemed like something an old lady would do sitting in her rocking chair. <laughs> it did not seem cool, okay? So I'm just saying, that was just the impression I had. I'm sure y'all don't think that way, but I did. And I was just like, okay, so what do you pray about? You pray about everything. So the Lord kind of led me to go to this prayer event one time. So I showed up, it was at this big swank hotel, and I go into this big ballroom where they supposedly had this prayer event going on where they're going to teach people how to pray more fervently. Well, I wanted to learn this because I had this wrong impression about prayer and about what it looked like to spend time with God. So I get inside there and there's all these chairs lined up. But these people aren't sitting in their chairs. They're all on the floor praying. I'm the only one in the whole building sitting in a chair. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, dear God, these people are for real. (laughs) What are they praying? And I just began to listen. And they were praying like intense prayers over lives and hearts of people and breakthrough. And they were praying about everything. And I was so touched. I was like, prayer is magnificent. Prayer brings change. I mean, this is real. God is listening to us. This is not something that we should just take lightly. Pray. Pray fervently. God hears you. Choosing God means reading the Word where we gain wisdom and encouragement and we deepen our relationship and our commitment to Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates eating, even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Word of God will even show you where you've possibly been in error. If you just kind of look at your life and you see this mighty powerful sword and you look at the Word of God and you see where you're not lining up and God is just taking this sword and he's saying, you're too far over here, but I'm about to bring you more over here. And he starts lining you up. He starts lining you up so it starts making sense. And you can't know who God is if you're not reading the Word because you don't know a thing about what he thinks. It's one of the things that Paul went through. Paul began to to understand more about Jesus when the scales fell from his eyes. That's what the Word of God does. It brings truth. There's a part in the Bible that talks about circumcising the heart, crusted areas, things that we believe, things that we used to do, that we used to be okay with. And God begins to peel those things off and says, look, I need you to follow this way. Choosing God means walking in abundant life, love, joy, peace. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Walking in abundant life. How can it be when you go totally polar opposite to what you used to live? God aligns you. He wants you to have abundant life. And here's the real treacherous thought that most people have that stay on the outskirts of their faith. If I let God all in my business, he's not going to let me do what I want to do. But yet God's word says that he wants us to have life and have life more abundantly. In other words, God doesn't give us a criteria to follow because he's just a mean God that doesn't want you to have anything. No, it says he does that because he wants your life to go well with you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, when you obey God and you're walking in his goodness and you're following what he says... When you're joyful in it, you're strengthened in it. That means you can overcome. Suddenly, those people's terrible testimonies weren't so terrible. I've realized how you can get through the darkest of times with the best best heart and with with eyes that see it differently. It's, It's not like it used to be. Dark is not as dark as it used to be. The Bible says you will keep those in perfect peace, those whose minds and hearts are stayed upon you. I said that prayer over and over again when I was facing this this brain tumor and this surgery that I had to go through. I was just like, God, you're going to keep me in peace. I am not going to worry about this. I am going to let this go. Suddenly I had my own testimonies. (laughs) He'll take you through stuff. Then there's worship and church attendance. Romans twelve five says, so in Christ we though many form one body one body, each member belongs to all the others. There is blessing in unity. When we gather here like this on Sundays and we come together and our hearts are unified and our faith comes to fruition and we are believing together and we're worshiping God. Babe, this is the time when you need to be asking God, God, move and work in my heart. Do things in me that I can't do. Help me to hear your voice. May destinies and dreams just fall all around me. Help me to see where you're working. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, that he is there. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand. That is oppressive, demonic spirits. When you pray, that's how many can go away. Whoo, Jesus I know somebody's going to be praying this week. They said, that's it. I'm, I got this now. <laughs> I was going through a terrible thing in my life, and, and I went to one of the staff meetings here recently, and I said, look, there's something terrible I'm going through. But I got this scripture in my head that just doesn't go away. One puts 1,000 to flight, two 10,000. And I said, that's where y'all come in. There's what, 12 of you? I said, let's do this. And we began to pray. And let me tell you something, God is doing miracles. This is where it's at. There's benefits to keeping God first. There's benefits to keeping God first. I have a ton of people that I work with. But, you know, there's a lot of people that will come to me and say, would you pray for me? I'm happy to pray for you. I'm always back there after services. I love praying for people. But you know what? At some point, you're going to have to build enough confidence in yourself to pray for yourself, too. Oh, Jesus. What do you mean, Marty? You're there to pray for me. I am here to pray for you, and I will. But you know what? You need to pray for you. You need to trust where God is working in your life. You need to know how to ask God for stuff yourself. I'm not you. I can't always be in every little waking moment that you're living in. I can pray, God can give me revelation, I can give you a word of encouragement, it all happens, it goes down for real. Yes, it does work, but I'm not always there. The Holy Spirit is. (laughs) So the deal is, I was once in the part of this Bible study and there was a lot of women in there and several of them had some, some pretty rough marriages. So they would come in and their poor sweet husbands, maybe they weren't sweet, I don't know, but they would complain about them, okay, a lot. And, you know, this one lady in the group kept saying, Girl, if I was you, I'd leave him. <laughs> I wouldn't deal with that for one second. And she kept on, you know. And, so the, and, and it was troubling to me, but I couldn't figure out why. And I was just like, yeah. And so I was in prayer that week, and God's like, okay, you need to shut that down. You, you need to tell her to, to stop saying that. Because here's the deal. She is not that man's wife. The man's wife is his wife, and she's anointed to be his wife. And it shouldn't look like her marriage. It should look like their marriage. So people need to quit comparing. So I did. I went in the next week. I said, you know, we need to stop this. We need to stop all this complaining because here's the deal. God has anointed each one of us to walk through what we walk through. That means you've got the grace, and it is sufficient, and it will get you through to where God is taking you we got to learn to do this. Your friend doesn't go through your trials. You do. Build yourself up in your faith. Know that you're never alone. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't forget the great benefits. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is the way through the wilderness. He is the light in the darkness. He's the one at the end of your rope. He's the one at the bottom of your barrow. When we choose him, he is there. It doesn't always mean that you'll live in a bed of roses. But you know, the Bible clearly says it rains on the just and the unjust. It means we will go through stuff just like anybody else. But there's great Benefits. Great benefits. He's provider. He's forgiver. He's kind. He's loving. He's lavish. He's lofty. He's acceptance. He's mercy. He's grace. He's all of that. And if we look at the disciples' life, if we look at Job's life, we will clearly discover that there was a lot of areas and things that they faced, but God got them through all of them. You know, Peter, he denied Jesus three times, and it was prophesied over him. You're going to deny Jesus three times. And Peter at the time was like, not happening. I think I got this. I got my sword. I ain't going to be denying nobody because we got it going on. He was full of himself. He said, I'm not going to let you die. Jumped out in front of Jesus. He says, wait a minute. It's part of why I came. Get behind me. Peter had a lot going on that was full of himself. And God had a plan for getting him where he needed to go. So after Peter went through all of this drama, denied Jesus three times, can you imagine how he must have felt? It was like the gavel dropping in a judge's courtroom. The reality had hit. He had denied Jesus three times just like it was prophesied. His heart was broken. It was broken. He did not know where he was going to find help. He had denied Jesus three times, the one that he loved. And then Jesus shows up. And what does he say? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times, equal to the times that he had denied him, making a very strong point. There is nothing, nothing you can do that can separate you from God. Some of us have even done the unthinkable. We've done things that we thought we were not able to do, but yet we did it. We ignored the red flags. We got invited to the wrong parties and we went. We married somebody that God said be careful, don't date them. <laughs> now you're facing difficulties and you're wondering, "How do I get out of it?" Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. In Daniel 11:35 it says, "Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined and purified and made spotless." Some of the wise will stumble. In other words, You knew better, but you did it anyway. And God's saying, it's okay. It's all right. I still got your back. All this stuff I put in you is still working. I'm not letting you go. I'm not releasing my hold on you. You're not going anywhere, honey. The blood goes much further than we think. It never runs out. It never runs dry. It keeps going. Whatever you need, God has. Knowing to choose God means knowing how God uses you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. People, we're flawed and we're broken. We are broken, but God is still using our brokenness. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute. Shall I continue? Paul was a murderer. The woman at the well was caught red-handed in adultery. And after Jesus forgave her, she ran off and told everybody, there's a man that forgave me. There is nothing that God can't redeem. He tells us to choose life so that life will go well with us. But if we have made terrible mistakes, it doesn't matter. God still has provision and there's still redemption power. You have to put God first. You have to establish godly habits. You have to know that you're never alone. You have to know how God uses you. Who is God not able to use? Who? Let me just tell you this. He's not able to really use people who don't come to him and accept the beauty of the grace that he has extended to us through salvation. Those people make it really hard for him to use. Matthew 13, 58 says, And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. There was places that there was not a lot of miracles that God could do because those people had no faith. That's where you didn't see the miracles come. God wants us to be faith-filled believers, not overwhelmed in our junk not overwhelmed in our mistakes and our weaknesses, always having to work out our own issues. God wants us to learn to overcome those issues because he uses that power to change the world. The Holy Spirit, baby, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not a rowboat, it's a motorboat. He's like a conduit. He plugs in. It's like electricity where he brings the fire and the help and the hope. He empowers us with this Holy Spirit. There's no more depleting, only replenishing. He's not trying to take life from us. He's trying to get life to us. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit picks up where we can't. He he does what we're not capable of doing. And we got to invite that Holy Spirit to come in and to be a part of our lives. It's power. It's power. I read a prophetic book not long ago, and it had doors laid out in it. And at the door of love, there was a beautiful jewel. And when you put your hand on that jewel, you were just overwhelmed with love. It was like this love that was beyond what you've ever experienced. And so he felt this, he touched it, and he goes, oh man, this is the door that I want. But he kept feeling this tug on his heart that's like, no, it's not this door that I'm supposed to walk through. It's not this one. So he goes to the next door, and it was a door of peace. So he touches this fancy jewel at the door of peace, and when he puts his hands on it, it's like he's overwhelmed with the most peaceful feeling he's ever experienced. But he felt again, this is not the door I'm supposed to walk in. So finally he gets to the red door, and it's the door of sacrifice. And he touches the red jewel outside that door. And when he touched it, it was awful. It was dark. It was dreary. It was weary. It was hard. And he kept feeling this tug on his heart that says, take this door. Do this. And he's like, "Ugh, I don't want to go through that door, the door of sacrifice. He said, that's the road, the, the very door and road that Jesus took. So he opened the sacrifice door and he walked in and it was pitch dark. And he's like, this can't be right. And some of you may be looking at your life right now and you're thinking, this life is, this is just, this is not right There's something not right. And God is like, if you will just step in this door. Because it's not like Jesus' sacrifice. It's different. You know what God mostly asks us to give up? Selfishness. Give up the habits that we want to keep. Things like that. And it's hard. And it is sacrificial. But that's the door, God. And once you get in that door, you'll see one little glimmer of light around all the darkness. And that will be Jesus. And the closer you get to where God is taking you, the brighter the light will be. It is the way. It's the way. Before the fall, heaven and earth were like together, like one. And then after sin came, it was like it split apart. Suddenly you didn't hear, you didn't see any scriptures about how God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Because that was all gone. It was all gone. The sin, God left. And from that point on, the soul of man looked for a place to belong. And as the soul of man toils and looks for belonging and significance, just as the article I was reading you earlier, we want to belong, we want to be significant, we want to contribute. God says, I've got the way for you. And when Jesus came and the sacrifice was made, Suddenly, heaven and earth had a way to come together again. That's what Jesus has done for us. It brings us back where we can be a friend of God again. I encourage you, because Jesus went through all the trouble, and he basically had split heaven and earth apart, and now he's put it back together through Jesus. Think about accepting that gift. It's a beautiful gift, the gift of salvation. After Jesus came, he died, he was resurrected. All for us, so that we might be reconciled back to him. Accept that gift, and if you choose to do that this morning, because I'm going to pray for you right now. If you choose to do that this morning, I want you to mark it on your card because I want to be praying for you. Because let me tell you something. When God starts that refinement process, it's not the easiest process in the world to get through. You're going to need the encouragement. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this awesome gift of salvation that you've given us. And Lord, I pray for each individual that may be kind of on the fence, that may be filled with fears around accepting you, God. Would you would you touch their heart right now, God? Would you take all the fear away, all the questions, all the concerns about that, God? Would you just let it roll away? And you said, Lord, that no man could come to you lest he be drawn by the Holy Spirit. And God, I'm asking that the power of the Holy Spirit would be here this morning, moving, luring, and drawing people to you, Jesus. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life, Lord. There's no life outside of you. Not really. There's existence. There's performance. Who wants to be on that? Not us, God. We're at this place now. We want you to come into our hearts. Forgive us of our sins. Wash it all away. Teach us and train us, God, how to live for you. Do what only you can do. Lord, we ask you this. In Jesus' name, amen.